and welcome to the ACR Bulletin Podcast, the show where we cover the latest trends affecting radiology. I'm your host, Chris Hobson, and today I'm joined by William T. Thorworth, Jr., MD, FACR. Dr. Thorworth serves as Chief Executive Officer of the American College of Radiology, a role he's held since 2014. Uh, before becoming CEO of the college, Dr. Thorworth held a number of leadership roles at the ACR and also practiced interventional and diagnostic radiology as a member of Catawba Radiological Associates in Hickory, North Carolina for nearly 30 years. Dr. Thorworth, it's a real pleasure speaking with you today. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to join you, Chris. It's really a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. I can't believe we, we haven't done this up to this point. <laughs> I, I'm so glad that I'm so delighted that you've joined us today. And, and today we will be discussing a few topics of importance to ACR members, including the state of, uh, including the, state of the college and radiology in general, um, how radiology can contribute to value-based care and the future of the specialty, uh, but Dr. Thorworth, I thought first off, maybe you could please uh, start by telling us a little bit about what the CEO of ACR does on a day-to-day basis. Well, Chris, I honestly, I've, I've got the great opportunity to work with our incredibly talented and dedicated staff and over 2,000 ACR volunteers, uh, radiologists, uh, interventional radiologists, nuclear physicians, medical physicists uh, across the board. Um, it's, it would be impossible to describe the scope and the scale of the ACR activities in the time that we have. But my role, I honestly see as sort of the orchestra leader, and I, I'm, I'm here to enable them uh, to using ACR's recently updated strategic plan, uh, move our profession and the college ahead. Um, my, my job, as I see it, is to ensure that we continue to, uh, per our mission statement in that strategic plan, empower our members to advance the practice and science of radiological care. And I can say from, I can personally speak from experience on a staff level that you do a really good job of hiring the right people and, and um, not over managing them. I think you've done a terrific job. And, and that's been almost since I started here at ACR. So Thanks, Chris. Are, uh, well, I started 10 years ago. So, well, I'd like to shift gears now and, and talk a little bit about current affairs, if, if you would. Um, one window, in, one possible window into current, this current state of radiology in, uh, in general, and maybe ACR more specifically, might be to talk about imaging 3.0. Um, so for those listeners who may not be familiar with Im- the imaging 3.0 initiative, um, can you please explain what that what it means to you and where radiology is in the process of of transitioning to an imaging three point environment? Uh, sure, Chris. Uh, just for a little bit of background, uh, this this was initiated in 2013 uh, by our leadership at the time, and I, I uh, credit um, uh, Bib Allen, uh, Ed Bluth, and others for the uh, invention of this, if you will. So, if you take uh, the history of uh, radiology, uh, starting with the uh, discovery of the X-ray by uh, Rankin, uh, imaging 1.0 would be from that discovery up till when uh, when uh, radiology and imaging went digital. Uh, 2.0 was then from that time up until we initiated 3.0. And during that digital era, there was a vast expansion in the capabilities, but also in the demands and the throughput on productivity emphasis in radiology. Um, I have a slide that says the good news is we've made ourselves indispensable. The bad news is we've made ourselves indispensable. Uh, And ACR leaders uh, recognized that there was a diminished interaction between the radiologist and the referring providers, uh, physicians and other providers, and a loss of professional satisfaction because radiologists basically sat at their workstations. So imaging 3.0, it was really a need to refocus, to to re-engage with referrers and to expand our exposure with patients. 
Um, there were three fundamental pillars of the Imaging 3.0 uh, pr program, and that was to that there's a culture change that needed to occur. Get away from that grinded out uh, uh, process of productivity we were in in 2.0. Um, there, there was uh, IT tools that needed to be you know incorporated into our practice to make that happen, and then also we had to align the incentives. Uh, the payment incentives were basically, a, and we'll talk about this in a minute about you know uh, vol volume rather than value. So uh, it, we were challenged by that productivity pressure and it really limited the uptake of imaging 3.0 concepts by radiologists at the time. Practices that have adopted it, however, and we have numerous case studies, of course, available on our website that you're very familiar with, have demonstrated an improvement of both the care and the radiologist's well-being by incorporating uh, these principles. So I think really it's got a lot of positive things going for it. Uh, to me, having done interventional radiology uh, during most of my career with lots of patient interaction, this is the root of professional satisfaction and it makes it rewarding. Uh, I, I see the acceptance of the video remote interactions kind of a, a silver lining of COVID, that this is the route uh, that this is the route that allows us to interact with patients more seamlessly. It's an enabling technology um, rather than separating us from the patients. It, it was hard to get radiologists to leave their workstations and go consult with uh, referring physicians or meet with patients. But we really should be able to, with literally one click, switch from reading an exam to consulting with a referrer to speaking with a patient now uh, with the technology and the acceptance of these types of interactions. So we need to insist that our PAX vendors uh, enable this capability and really allow us to make the, uh, the potential of 3.0 come true. Yeah, and it's so, so interesting you mentioned COVID because I feel at the beginning of COVID, uh, at least for those of us, that you alluded to the fact that I've, I've worked on this Imaging 3.0 campaign kind of since the start. And um, there was a little bit of worry at the beginning, at the beginning of COVID for obvious reasons, but then obvious, but then also in, the, in terms of imaging 3.0, would this throw up yet another barrier between radiology and the patient? Because so many radiologists ended up working remotely or they were staggering shifts such that it, even, and, and even besides that, that it's not like they could have so many direct uh, interactions with patients, mm -hmm. but you just alluded to the fact that there's been such an acceptance of technology that, that maybe it's it's kind of gone the other way. So no, that's exactly true, and I and I really think that uh, hopefully radiologists will embrace that. And as I say, we're going back to the uh, the portion of IT tools as a critical component, we really do, as I say, need to push the, our vendor community to make this a seamless transition from uh, from interpreting exam, discussing with the refer, uh, you know, meeting and, inter and interviewing and demonstrating our value to the patients. And who better to do that than radiologists who've always been on the forefront of technology as it is. That's exactly so, right. I love that. Well, Imaging 3 is always, has always was kind of already up and running. It was still in its infancy when you uh, started as CEO. Um, and, I, and I really believe you helped take it to that next level. But but that being said, there were several important initi initiatives that did start uh, under your, your watch and your leadership. Uh, and I, in my humble opinion, one of the most important being the Commission on Patient Family-Centered Care. Um, so I was wondering if you could please talk a bit about, as we call it, the PFCC and how it fits into that larger trend of healthcare uh, beginning to focus more on patients becoming partners in their own care. 
Yeah. Uh, well, all of us uh, went into medicine uh, to care for patients and into radiology to assist our colleagues in problem solving. So the patient and family center care, the implementation of that commission uh, was really hand, went hand in hand with this. Uh, it was a natural extension, if you will, of Imaging 3.0. Uh, as Jim Rawson, who was the first appointed chair of the Commission for Patient and Family-Centered Care, uh, so wisely said, and he's been quoted on this, uh, it said, it's, it's hard to put the patient at the center if you're standing there yourself. So radiologists, as all physicians, needed to step back and get themselves out of designing systems that were centered around their operations and convenience and look at what really mattered to the patient. You know, if we didn't understand that, then we really wouldn't be able to uh, achieve what we wanted to. Uh, we really needed to make sure as a result of that, also radiologists can rediscover the joy that becomes uh, that comes with fulfilling that role, as I say, that we went into medicine in the first place. Um, I, I had no great pride if I went to work one day and, and, and read 100 CT exams in the day and I went home, my tongue was dragging, but I really, but, you know, one patient interaction where the patient or their family member thanks you for what they've done, whether you've discovered an early breast cancer or whether you've done something in an interventional procedure that now has restored blood flow to their leg, you know, uh, that, those are the things that you really uh, bring, bring you back smiling the next day, knowing you've got an opportunity to make a difference. Um, well, um, since the transition, just to tie this back to imaging three, since the transition from volume-based to value-based care is kind of at the heart of both Imaging 3 and the, and the PFCC, I'm interested in your thoughts on how radiology can succeed in what is you know, quickly becoming an environment where there's a lot of risk-sharing payment models being developed, and uh, particularly, those that incentive sorry, particularly those that incentivize physicians to focus on patient outcomes. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a great question. And, and really, this is the challenge of an evolving environment, environing, involving change in healthcare assessment. Um, <clears throat> and to go back to Imaging 3.0, this was really the third pillar I mentioned earlier about aligning incentives. You know, we have to get those uh, so that they encourage and support and promote uh, exactly the type of practice we're talking about. Uh, a significant part of this is ensuring the optimal use of imaging exams or procedures and avoiding the inappropriate uh, or, or duplicate tests. Um, so uh, the value equation, many have seen the value equation that says value equals outcome over cost. Uh, well, I would interject it and uh, give credit to Rich Duzak, uh, Dr. Rich Duzak, who, who came up with the concept that appropriateness needs to be in that formula. Because no matter what the, no matter the outcome or what the cost, if the appropriateness is zero, the value is going to be zero. And so I think the, uh, the a, a test, uh, if a tester is, is uh, inappropriate, it really is not adding anything to the patient care. So uh, the college is way ahead of this as far as our implementation of our appropriateness criteria, which we actually began to develop all the way back in 1993, and then developed in a digitally deliverable uh, point of care access to referring physicians to choose the right test. Uh, if a uh, radiologist, we can, as radiologists, we can lead the way, and as we have done uh, with those uh, support tools to make sure that the clinical decision support 
I mean, our, our, our uh, tests are wide and varied, and it's hard enough for radiologists to keep up with what's the most appropriate exam in a specific circumstance. If we can provide that to the referrer at the point that they're seeing that patient in the office, uh, they can make the right choice on the first try, and we are not interpreting an exam that really doesn't impact patient care. So, uh, yeah, I think that as we make that transition, there's many f f you know facets of, of value of, of care, and I cite that as just one good example as uh, where radiologists really have to have to step up. Now, we also have to be allowed to do uh, what that uh, what those guidelines tell us. So right now, radiologists are prohibited from changing an exam uh, by Medicare uh, rules and uh, and uh, other regulations. So it's it's really uh, important that we continue to push to let us use our expertise to guide that patient's care episode as best we can. Yeah, and you mentioned that's so interesting. I, I love to hear your take on this because we, as we're taping this, we're still in the middle of this public health emergency. There's some indications it might end at some point, but nobody knows. People are reading the tea leaves. And so much of clinical decisions uh, supports, I feel, uh, wide adoption is kind of tied up with that with PAMA and other things that are sort of on hold because of public health emergency. So um, yeah, I, I, I feel like there are big things to come for, for clinical decision support. It's a topic we've covered on past uh, podcast episodes. So I, mm -hmm. Anyone interested in that, I, I'd encourage you to go back to the archives and take a look. Uh, but, but yeah, always interesting. And, and I, I'm so grateful to have your take on that. Sure. <laughs> um, well, some have pointed to the population health management uh, or PHM as some call it, uh, as one approach that can help and maybe it, and indeed actually is already helping in some instances, healthcare attain the triple aim of improving the patient uh, experience of care, improving uh, the health of populations and also reducing per capita cost of healthcare. Um, so we've covered PHM on past episodes, uh, so no need to go into much depth on what it is, uh, but I'm interested to know about from you how you think radiology might fit into something like PHM, where, where it brings that that kind of coordinated uh, care approach to patient care. Radiology, I think, has a huge role to play in population health management, and it is definitely in our lane. M many have thought in the past that this is only for primary care uh, physicians, but uh, I would make the argument that that's not true at all. Uh, maintaining health really involves the early detection of disease as well as prevention and monitoring of chronic disease. Uh, Imaging-based screening for breast, lung and colon cancer are really the poster children of early detection of major diseases with a major impact on the health of individuals as well as the population as a whole. And uh, the radiology and, and the ACR have had very strong positions in each of those three. In fact, the recent President's Cancer Panel, chaired by Dr. John Williams uh, from Manassas, uh, Virginia, um, uh, did a lot of work on that. And actually, we worked, the college worked very closely with John as far as their uh, report from that panel. So, uh, you know, simultaneously, early detection decreases overall healthcare costs uh, relative to later diagnosis of those same diseases. And thus, hit, we've hit all three segments of that triple aim. And then finally, I'll add, there's a great sense of satisfaction in making an early diagnosis, whether you detect a, a colon polyp with CT colonography that then gets removed and then never even advances to cancer, whether you detect an early lung cancer when it's still very treatable, or a breast cancer similarly, uh, there's a great uh, sense of pr uh, pride and satisfaction. And again, that goes to what's now been called the quadruple aim by increasing physician well-being uh, and as an important part of the considerations of healthcare in the future as well. 
And and even just to build on that, I know that we're you talked about Dr. Rawson earlier in this this uh, interview. Uh, he he's actually him along with uh, uh, Dr. Hilbrunner uh, chairing a blue ribbon panel on population health. So I the, I'm I'm very gratified to see the college is taking it seriously and. I think we're in a great position to do all the things you just talked about. Yeah, thank then thanks for reminding me of that. That that panel is really getting underway, and I think uh, we'll very much be exploring all the opportunities that we have as radiologists to contribute to uh, uh, the health of the population. Absolutely, I'm really looking forward to it. Well, um, just to to change gears just a little bit, technology is always one of the top interest areas of, of ACR membership. So I wanted to make sure we we touched on that. Um, we talked about uh, innovation a, a few times here and there during our, our talk so far, but, um, you know, in what ways uh, do you perceive the college making a concerted effort to keep radiology at the very forefront of medical technology? Well, there no doubt that radiology and the college remain uh, innovation leaders uh, in medicine. Uh, Dr. Robert Wachter, who wrote a book called The Digital Doctor, and I would recommend it to any of our listeners, called radiology the, quote, canary in the coal mine as far as innovation and conversion, converting to digital uh, uh, healthcare as we know it. Um, establishing the Data Science Institute in 2017 is a great example of the college's effort here. And we remain the leader in artificial intelligence and machine machine learning space among specialty societies. Uh, our our so-called AI lab, uh, which has been developed by our Data Science Institute, for instance, is now being used by the American Academy of, Academy of Ophthalmology as they venture into AI development for diabetic retinopathy and macular degeneration. So yeah, I'm very proud of where we stand in the innovation ac across the board. Our, our Center for Research and Innovation uh, office in Philadelphia uh, has done collaborative multi-center trials for over 50 years. So even on, on, on the non-IT uh, uh, side, the development of new and innovative techniques of diagnosis and treatment are center uh, to our efforts. Absolutely. And anybody interested, you mentioned the Data Science Institute, anybody interested uh, watching this, this recording uh, and learning more about the DSI, talk to um, Chris Tremel, who heads up that group uh, on a past episode. So feel free to, to jump in. And I'd love to have somebody from the Philadelphia office on the show. I still, I still haven't managed to do that, but hopefully we'll do that in the near future. It'd be well um, worthwhile. Oh, of course. Yeah, they're, they're, it's so interesting up there, what they're doing. Well, we've talked a little bit about the past and the present up to this point. So, Dr. Thorworth, I, I'd like now to turn to the future. Um, you know, how do you see radiology not just staying relevant in a rapidly changing environment, as you just touched on, uh, but indeed thriving for decades to come? Well, I, I could not be more excited, honestly, about the future of, of our specialties. And I mean, all of them, you know, diagnostic, interventional, radiation oncology, medical physics, uh, nuclear medicine, uh, honestly, and, and our expanding capability to contribute to individual and population health, just as we've described. Uh, we have tools and knowledge that our predecessors could not even imagine would exist. Uh, it's really been uh, tremendously exciting to watch that evolve over my career. Um, imaging and minimally invasive treatments uh, are essential to virtually every significant episode of healthcare uh, right now in, in not only our world in our country but around the world. Uh, so, if I were a medical student, and I wish I'd had the opportunity, would have the opportunity to do this again. But if I were a medical student, there's absolutely no question that I'd just choose exactly the same path and um, not only enjoy the uh, the benefits of what's been done, but just the exploration and excitement of what's what's to come. Uh, particularly uh, medical students with an interest in informatics, there's no better place to be uh, uh, than in radiology right now. 
Absolutely. And that's such a positive note to end on. So, well, Dr. Thrower-Sec, thank you so much for this interesting conversation. Now, if people would like to learn more about the topics we've covered today or maybe engage you on new topics, um, where, where's the best place to find you online? Uh, easiest to do is reach me through email. I spend most of my life there. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, W Thorworth and it's T-H-O-R-W-A-R-T-H at ACR.org. So uh, don't hesitate if you have a question, comment, or we're suggesting I'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for opening opening up that opportunity for everyone. And for our listeners, if you have any ideas for future show topics, uh, please let us know on Twitter at the handle at RadiologyACR. And please include hashtag ACR Bulletin Podcast in your tweet. We love to hear back all the feedback you might have. Um, I also invite our audience to check out all of our past episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And be sure to subscribe to ACR's YouTube channel to stay up to date on all of our latest episodes. And finally, please do hit that like button on YouTube if you found this uh, video valuable. Thank you so much, Dr. Thorworth. I, I really appreciate you coming and I really hope you'll come back and update us on all the exciting goings on of ACR in the near future. Take care, my pleasure. Absolutely, and thanks to our listeners. This has been the ACR Bulletin Podcast. See you next time. <laughs>